0: everybody, Cheryl Ackeson here. Welcome to another edition of the Cheryl Atkinson Podcast. Today, a fascinating discussion with a former CIA officer, John Kiriakou, the only person prosecuted and imprisoned over the CIA torture program, not for taking part in it, but for blowing the whistle on it. He will also talk about a new internet product you can use to search the internet without Big Brother keeping track. It's called Panquake. P-A-N-Q-U-A-K-E, and he'll talk about what happened to him and what could very well happen to you with a weaponized government growing out of control.
1: My name is John Kiriaku, J-O-H-N-K-I-R-I-A-K-O-U, and I am, uh, what is my title? I guess guess it's brand spokesman uh, for Panquake.
0: Where'd you get the name, by the way, Panquake?
1: You know, they talked about that a lot in the beginning. There are th- these people that are involved in, in the development of Panquake are far more creative than I am. I'm just not creative in that way. And they wanted it to, to z- sort of um, give the the feeling of an earthquake in that it's shaking up the industry. And pan meaning it's it covers the whole spectrum and the whole world, which is what they're they're hoping to uh, to finally do. And uh, yeah, that's what they came up with. I well, let like- me read.
0: Yeah, let me read a little bit about just to get you started on describing what's going on. Um, from I guess a news release, it says that Julian Assange supporters take on big tech, mm-hmm. release new anti-spying archiving tool. It says, uh, supporters of WikiLeaks founder Julian Assange have just changed the balance of power between internet users and big tech, launching Panquake Me, a free app that protects users from being spied on by web trackers and preserves the original web content. Okay, let's break it down. Let's assume yeah. we're talking to people like me. They may use the internet, know something of it, but let's try to be fairly simple in um, terms of how we describe things. What is the idea behind the need for this tool or this site that you all have created?
1: Right. Well, the need is, is for users and that could be just the everyday, uh, you know, Joe or Jane sitting at their computer. Uh, it, could be, it could be journalists, it could be activists who just don't want to be tracked. And, and for me as a user, that's the most important thing here there there were several things that were so important to the developers one was transparency and the code is open so anybody can see how this thing is set up the second thing was privacy and privacy and transparency are not mutually exclusive you know social media sites like like twitter and facebook and instagram and really all of them they collect Uh, Your your personal data, they collect your metadata, they know what you share, they know what you forward, and then they package that information and they sell it. They sell it to other companies, but but uh, more sinisterly, they sell it to the FBI and NSA and CIA. And how if, do we
0: know that? I, I believe you. Oh, how through do we the, know uh, that they have contracts with them that we're able to see or what?
1: Yeah, through the Freedom of Information Act. There was actually a statement by the FBI just a few weeks ago in which they said that now, instead of going to a court and asking for a warrant or a court order to uh, purchase metadata, I mean, to uh, to to get metadata, they just purchase it directly from the from the social media company, which is perfectly legal. Because when you open an account, like let's say when you first set up your your Facebook account, the terms and conditions include a provision that you do not own the data. So any website you go to, you know, any news article you read, they collect information on that and then they package it for sale. And so literally everything you do on the Internet um, can be purchased by the FBI, NSA, CIA, or frankly, anybody else.
0: But if you've agreed to that, let's say you have a Facebook account, right? and you visit things outside of your new development, outside of the thing that y'all have developed, is Facebook tracking what you do when you're not logged into Facebook somehow, or is it only the stuff oh, you're doing while you're logged in?
1: No, that's a great question. Uh, and, you know, for a long time, people suspected that Facebook was tracking them continually. And finally, Facebook came out just in the last year and said, yes, that they do actually track us. For example, um, I was talking to a friend of mine on the phone. I was not on Facebook. I was just on the phone. And I was telling him, "Oh, you know, i'm I'm accosted by lunatics all the time. And, you know, there was this woman that came after me, and she she had fantasized that, that we were engaged and and she actually flew to Washington with a gun to shoot my wife so that she and I could be together. And he said, oh buddy, you know what you need? You need a concealed carry class. And I said, yeah, but I'm not allowed to carry a gun. As soon as I hung up the phone, I went on Facebook and literally every single advertisement was for a concealed carry course in my area. Wow. So yeah, isn't that awful? so you know it's like it's like another example um i told my sister oh i need to buy a new desk i don't like my desk it's really old i want one that has you know a usb port no sooner did i hang up the phone i go into the pittsburgh post gazette and every pop-up ad on the pittsburgh post gazette is for a computer desk you know that that's just not acceptable many of us i think don't want to live our lives like that or we're tired of living our lives like that. And we want to be able to, to surf the web or read an article or communicate with friends or colleagues or journalists or whomever and just not be tracked. That's what this is. Well,
0: before we go into some more details about Panquake or panquake.me, um, it wouldn't stop that, would it? Like if you're, if you're you have a Facebook account and they're tracking you and you're on the phone, but you're not going through panquake. Panquake can't impact that, can it?
1: No, that it won't impact. But what it can impact is if you want to send somebody an article, for example. Now, If you see an article on Facebook uh, and you open it, Facebook knows you've opened it. They know how long you were in it to read it. And then they know if you sent it to somebody. Once you send it to that person, they know if that person opened it, how long they read it and what they did with it. What you can do at Panquake is um, you can can go into the site. It's something called a link shortener, right? So you go to pnqk.me. You put in the URL there. You're able to read the article. It cleans your links of any marketing or ad tracking cookies. Um, You're able to send it to somebody else through the Panquake site, and then it actually archives the link. You know, one of the things that that I hate, and I'm sure that you do too, because you're a, you're a prominent journalist and you've done it for a long time, is you'll use something as a source and then the link goes dead. And so you go back to it a year, two years, five years later uh, because you want to refer to it, and the link no longer works. But Panquake will archive the link so that it will always be available to you. You'll as never As long be. as you
0: save it in the new, shortened, translated version that you got.
1: Right, which the site does for you. Cool. Yeah.
0: Well, I think one we should discuss, one of the things people ought to consider today is, it's one thing, I guess it's less nefarious in a way, if people are trying to advertise, send their products to you, listen in on you and track you, you know, to send you advertising. Not that that's good, but you agree to that, and that's the presumed correct goal. But we now have learned so much about what the government is doing. So the government can access this data in many different ways and use it against you in ways you never imagined, even if you've done nothing wrong. Oh my can, God, that's so yeah, true. Find so out true. if you happen to be in a city like washington dc on january 6th even if you broke no laws or did nothing wrong you may end up by your behavior being able to be tracked there and targeted unfairly by this you know weaponized institutions the institutions we now have that are so politically weaponized
1: you're absolutely right absolutely right you know companies or the government can um can tell a lot just by your metadata, right? They don't have to interview you. They don't have to put a team of spies to surveil you and track you. Just from your metadata, they can get a pretty darn good view of what you're doing on a day-to-day basis and how you're living your life. Like you say, even with your phone off or in airplane mode, they can still track you to within three feet of your location and besides that what if you what if you are you know chatting with let's say an abortion clinic or a boyfriend or girlfriend or you know a psychiatrist or psychologist don't you think you deserve a little bit of privacy i think well, so well
0: and not that they deserve to butt into your life anyway but the conclusions they may mistakenly draw from your histories as a journalist i sometimes look for incorrect information you know one of my big gripes about all the censorship is sometimes i want to see what people are saying that may not be right or may be right but other people are trying to disparage it i don't want a third party divining truth for me and by the same token and i may be researching predators but you could look at the search history for me and wrongly assume that I am a predator. There's all kinds of
1: oh with
0: the government peeking into your private life, of course.
1: Oh, you're absolutely right. Can you imagine how potentially dangerous that is? It's just awful. You know, for me, because of my background, I'm really worried about the national security state uh, gathering and then misusing this kind of information. But you make a very important point right there. It's not just, you know, John has a beef with the the national security state. It's that every single American is potentially at risk.
0: Tell me a little bit about your background.
1: Sure. I spent 15 years with the CIA. Uh, The first half was as an analyst on the Middle East. The second half was in counterterrorism operations. Uh, I rose quickly uh, at the CIA and I became the chief of counterterrorism operations in Pakistan after 9-11. I led a team of of counter, uh, counter-terrorism officers in a series of raids in March of 2002 that resulted in the capture of Abu Zubaydah, who we believed at the time was the number three in Al-Qaeda. He was not the number three. The CIA, just a few months later, began torturing Abu Zubaydah. I went back to CIA headquarters and and became the executive assistant to the CIA's deputy director for operations. and. Um, I objected to the torture program. Not only did I object to it, I refused to be trained in it. I was the only person of the 14 approached to be interrogators to refuse the ter- the, uh, the torture training, uh, which as you might imagine, damaged my career, but, uh, but I didn't care. And I, I waited for somebody to come out and say something because this torture program was so patently illegal to me I just expected that somebody would come out and say something. That never happened. And so five and a half years later, in 2007, I said something in in an interview with Brian Ross at ABC News. I said the CIA was torturing its prisoners, that torture was official U.S. government policy, and that the policy had been personally approved by the president. As you might imagine, the CIA filed a crimes report against me with the FBI, and the FBI investigated me for a year from December of 2007 to December of 2008. And they determined at the end of that year that I had not committed a crime and they closed the case. So three weeks later, Barack Obama becomes president. John Brennan becomes the deputy national security advisor for counterterrorism. John was an old nemesis of mine. And John was one of the fathers of the torture program. And so he asked the Justice Department to secretly reopen the case against me. I had no idea that for the next three years, and this is why Panquake is so important to me. The next three years, my phones were tapped. My emails were being intercepted. FBI agents were following me everywhere I went. And then in January of 2012, I was charged with five felonies, including three counts of espionage for speaking to ABC and to the New York Times. Of course, I hadn't committed espionage and the espionage charges were dropped. But, uh, but I finally took a plea to to violating the Intelligence Identities Protection Act of 1982. Um, I'm only the second American that was ever charged with that crime. And, uh, and I did it to make the whole thing go away. I'm proud to say that in the end I was syndicated because everything I said was true. I had great support from the likes of of John McCain, for example, but, uh, but I, I served 23 months in a federal prison and came out with a, a new Appreciation for for privacy on the one hand, and for government transparency on the other. And then when when Susie Dawson and this incredible group of tech geniuses—I don't even know what else to call them—because you know we have these calls and they're talking about the system, and I'm like, God bless them, because I don't know what the heck they're talking about. It's so sophisticated, but then at the same time, it's so simple. You know, the 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 technology behind it is sophisticated. But the, the ease of use is such that anybody can use it. I'm, I'm older than you are. I, I, I'm not a Luddite, but, but you know I don't want to get too down into the weeds. And you don't have to with this. So anyway, I have this appreciation for transparency and, um, and privacy. And this sort of puts it all in one package for me. That's why I, I agreed to, to uh, join up with them. I think they have an amazing idea. And I'd like to be a part of it.
0: Just to digress for a moment, when the FBI was following you around and your phones were being tapped and all that stuff, mm-hmm. were you aware of it? Were there signs or signals or was it something you found out about in retrospect?
1: No, I had no idea. And I'll tell you what, I was a surveillance detection instructor at the CIA. And I never bothered to look because I you know, hadn't done anything wrong. And so I had no idea that I was being followed. I had no idea that my phone calls and emails were being intercepted. And then just like you said a moment ago, they'll take these these uh, emails completely out of context and then try to use it against you. Yeah,
0: and that, that happened, happened
1: to me repeatedly.
0: That happened to a... Um... Gentleman, professor who'd been accused of being a Chinese spy by oh, the yeah. FBI. Oh,
1: yeah. Yeah, Wen Ho Li.
0: Well, him too, but I, actually, there's a whole series of them. And there's one more recent with an ongoing case he has oh. against the FBI. They had looked at his emails and they claimed that he stole kind of stole technology for an invention and provided it oh, to the Chinese unfairly. And yet a true read of what was behind the emails had nothing to do with the supposed invention that the FBI misread it about, which was proven. They dropped the charges against them. But like you say, you know, they can see things that aren't there in your emails. So whenever I hear people say, and they do say this, I don't care if they look at my stuff. I don't do anything wrong. Right. You need to be thinking a lot harder about that because that's that's really not the danger is that they're gonna get you for doing something wrong
1: Oh so true one of the things I learned in this whole experience is if they want to get you they're gonna get you you know they can pour through everything that you've done over the course of years through your emails and like I said through your phone calls and they can patch something together especially, In the Eastern District of Virginia, where, interestingly enough, Julian Assange's case would be heard were he to be extradited to the United States. It's where Ed Snowden has been charged. I was charged there. Jeffrey Sterling is charged there or was charged there. Uh, Zacharias Moussaoui. It's, It's called the espionage court because no national security defendant has ever won a case there. And you know when your jury is made up from people or of people from the CIA and the Pentagon and the FBI and intelligence community contractors, you don't have a prayer. So who are they going to believe—the guy who's charged with multiple counts of espionage, or the FBI agent who's on the stand uh, testifying against him? It's it's like you can't win. You know, there's the old joke that that uh, a jury would convict a, a ham sandwich. Well, it's absolutely true in the in the Eastern District of Virginia. And uh, not to digress myself, but I'll tell you another thing. Um, I uh, refused to take a plea for a very, very long time, right up until the bitter end. And my best friend's wife has an uncle who was O.J. Simpson's jury consultant. So he agreed to help me for free. And he flew up to Washington. He lives in Dallas. And we got him a security clearance so he could go through the, the 15,000 classified documents that the government had turned over to us in, uh, in discovery. And finally, after going through everything, he said to me, listen, he said, if we were in any other district in America, I'd say, let's go for it, we're gonna win this thing. But the Eastern District of Virginia, where your jury's gonna have people from the CIA and the FBI and the DOD, He said, you don't stand a chance. You should take a deal. And I still refuse to take a deal. And this is something I've told Julian Assange's uh, attorneys. I still refuse to take a deal. And that morning that I refused, my lawyers came to my house at seven o'clock in the morning. One of them said, the gruffest of the three said, you stupid son of a bitch, take the deal. The second one said, if you were my brother, I would beg you to take the deal. And the third one got right in my face. And he said, you know what your problem is? Your problem is you think this is about justice and it's not about justice. It's about mitigating damage, take the deal. And so I took it because when they've got all of this circumstantial evidence against you in the Eastern District of Virginia, You're likely not gonna testify on your own behalf, which of course is prejudicial against you even when it's not supposed to be. Um, And you've got a jury that's stacked against you. You have no choice.
0: Well, I think that's another frightening thing about our system that today the ordinary American, if they try to go up against the government, not only with the financing, the deference they get with the courts, financing, meaning endless amount of taxpayer money, the staff they have, thats nobody can beat, you know, nobody. It's very, very difficult to beat the government. And in my case, I'm suing the government. So I'm the one that's trying to get, you know, accountability for the spying on me or the spying against me since the Department of Justice won't hold its own accountable. And it's much the same. They have unlimited taxpayer money to delay and obstruct the court's let them have every extension they want, it seems. Let them not meet their deadlines with no impunity. But if I were to miss, you know, a single day, I think- Oh, the whole forget it. Would be out. That's
1: Defendants right.
0: Don't have to answer their complaints. I mean, nothing seems to make sense, but the deck is just, what you know is the deck is stacked against you.
1: Oh, it absolutely is. You know, The government spent $6 million to, uh, to prosecute me. Um, I still owe my attorney's- that they'll never see. I only paid them $50,000. It was everything that I had. But that's what the government counts on. They do do a couple of things uh, on purpose. One is called charge stacking, where they'll charge you with a whole bunch of felonies. You know, felonies you haven't committed. And then they'll wait until you go bankrupt. And then they'll come back and say, hey, we'll drop all the charges but one if you take a plea. And by then you have no hope. You're ruined financially, professionally, personally in many cases. And so you take the, the plea. This is why ProPublica found in a study um, that the government wins 98.2% of its cases. Almost all of those wins are because of plea bargains. And the other thing they do is venue shopping. Yep. Um, they want They want to bring a case against you in the federal district where they know they have the best chance of winning and so you know they'll come up with an excuse that is going to sound absolutely ridiculous to you for why you're charged in x y or z federal district in fact they put a lot of thought into that and they did it so you couldn't win there
0: well good warnings out there for everybody if you think you're never going to be in this situation you might be surprised and Can you explain how DuckDuckGo is different? I think you kind of already have, but just go into that because I think some people go to DuckDuckGo.
1: Yeah, DuckDuckGo is a good choice.
0: accomplish similar goals to what Panquake.
1: Right, it's a little bit like apples and oranges. I like DuckDuckGo because it also doesn't track you. But DuckDuckGo is very purely a, a search engine. And Panquake is much more than that. Panquake... Panquake.me, for example, can be used as a search engine. And like I said, it's not gonna track you, it's not gonna keep your data, it's not gonna tell the government uh, what you're doing or with whom you're doing it. Uh, And then Panquake, uh, writ large, is, which is not yet completed, but is, is deep in development. It's a social network akin to Twitter, or to Facebook, where once it's done, you're gonna be able to do everything on Panquake that you can do on those other social media platforms. And one of the, one of the interesting things about Panquake too, and like I say, it's not completed yet, but they're, they're getting there. But, so I'm getting a little bit ahead of myself, but one of the, the cool things is that through this entire process of development, the developers have relied on recommendations from beta users. And so to watch this thing develop and change as it's matured has been an amazing thing to see. And, you know, somebody asked me just yesterday, well, once this is done, if they're not going to target advertisements at you and they're not going to collect your data and sell it, how do they make any money? And it's actually very simple. It's going to be a subscription model and it's going to be reasonably priced. So right now, even even pre-completion for $3 a month, you can be a beta user. They've, they've reserved s- several thousand um, spots. They have some left, $3 a month. Once it's up and running and out there, um, it's $5 a month. And so you're not gonna be tricked into providing your data so they can make a profit. You know, it's, it's a very honest uh, plan a very honest business model.
0: And this is a crowdsourced project. Is that right? The funding for for this?
1: Yeah, it's crowdsourced. And it's something that they're very uh, proud of.
0: So if people want to learn more, because I sense based on what you said, there's going to be a lot more functionality to this in the future. So it's something that people, I think, are going to have to be interested in for philosophical reasons and want to support, you know, get involved in. Where should they go? First of all, to use it, you can give that link again, but also just to learn more about it.
1: Sure, um, so check out panquake.me, panquak e panquake.me, and check out panquake.com. Um, it's, it's turning into something great.
0: I wanna encourage people to check this out, even if it's a little bit of work on the front end, and here's why. We've long been talking about the social media agencies and these big companies capturing us. I say that they sort of did a bait and switch. They got us to use them almost exclusively with the promise of freedom, let's say twin. Um, The idea that we could have open exchanges of ideas and open access to information on the internet. And then they switched everything around. They colluded with the government and corporations to do quite the opposite. Once we became totally reliant on them, we're now sort of trapped with these big companies and Mm -hmm. so convenient to use this. They develop. So people have been asking the last few years, how do we get out of it? Well, no one knows exactly how the paradigm will sort out, but it's things like this that people are trying that could be the game changer. And there's lots of them, but I think we ought to all be willing to spend that little bit of extra time to give these things a shot and try to change the things we don't like about our information being manipulated and our privacy being interrupted.
1: I, I couldn't agree more, Cheryl, until I went through this experience, you know, of my own, I never even thought about protecting my privacy and my data. You know, I, it just never even occurred to me as, as being an issue. And then when I, I did go through this awful experiment or experience both um, and started seeing what was happening to, to other uh, people, especially to journalists. You know, I remember back in, I guess it was like 2016 where where um, a journalist with the Washington Times who happened to be married to a guy who worked at, I think it was the Department of Education. Uh, the, the police raided, raided his house uh, looking for some file that he had taken allegedly from the Department of Education. The den in their house was used by her for her journalism. And they went into the den and they took her reporter's notes. They just confiscated them. And it's like nobody, nobody really seemed to care or to object. And it was just such an egregious violation of her privacy. I started thinking, man, what are we, where are we headed? We got to do something to protect ourselves.
0: I feel the same way. I remember that case. I feel like it was ATF or something that he, whatever he was involved in. Yeah, something and like that. It's been very disappointing, including in my case, that case, to have the journalistic establishment not step up and do more of an outcry. And they too have been captured by, yes. you know, forces and influences. And it's been, it's very disappointing because, you know, on the one hand, there are watchdogs for government that exist but the media was one of the most powerful ones. Yes. Here. By and large, the media has abdicated its responsibility that watchdog has gone away. They're all kind of on the same teams. So it's very difficult to get accountability. Hey, after a short break, we're gonna talk for just a moment about Julian Assange. Introducing Whipped Seafoam Body Butter by Siren Cosmetics. Hi, I'm Star, owner of The Lemonade Mermaid. Enriched with the nourishing powers of cocoa butter, mango butter, and shea butter, our body butter whisks you away to a world of deep hydration. Experience the essence of the sea with every application, as this whipped delight leaves your skin refreshed, replenished, and ready to conquer the day. Visit TheLemonadeMermaid.com and make your skin sing with the magic of the sea. So, I know you know Assange or you're in touch with people who are in touch with Assange. Is there a simple way to give a very short background of what happened to him and who he is, who he was when he got in trouble? Because back in the day, when he first started WikiLeaks, I thought he was sort of the darling of the political left for some of the (laughs) things that he was exposing (laughs) and doing. But if I'm correct on this, he ran afoul of the left When some of the documents he exposed or his site exposed involved unflattering things about Hillary Clinton and the Democratic National Committee when she was trying to be president, so on. Can you give us a little background?
1: Right. Um, Julian Assange is the co-founder of WikiLeaks. WikiLeaks is the world's foremost organization dedicated to uh, transparency, especially to government transparency. Um, To tell you the truth, the American government didn't pay much attention to Julian Assange until 2009, when um, he released a tranche of documents provided to him by uh, Bradley Manning, later Chelsea Manning. Uh, A lot of a lot of those documents, 99 percent of those documents were just sort of, you know, a day in the life State Department reporting cables on um, issues that most people don't care about. Some of them were embarrassing. To the uh, to the government, but what he also uh, included in that tranche was something that came to be known as the collateral murder videos. Uh, this was a, a military video of helicopter gunships in Iraq uh, killing uh, killing journalists, uh, cameramen for for Reuters, and then firing on the uh, the rescuers and the ambulance that was uh, that was dispatched to help them. Uh, they they killed several people and then it was covered up by the government. Well, Americans had no idea that the military had done this until Julian Assange said so. So the uh, the CIA and the FBI set out to to silence him, and they they did that by trumping up some two sexual assault cases uh, in Sweden. Uh, both of the women who made accusations against Assange later said that the police uh, uh, pushed them to do it. And so there are no sexual assault charges pending against Julian Assange. but Julian was so afraid that he would be extradited to Sweden. He was in the UK at the time. He would be extradited to Sweden and then in turn extradited to the United States because of the the Bradley Manning uh, release that he took refuge in the Ecuadorian embassy at the invitation really of the Ecuadorian government. But then what happened? He was in there for years. Then what happened was the United States, dramatically improved its relationship with the government of Ecuador, with what was supposed to have been a uh, a leftist government. It turned out not to be a leftist government. Uh, they talked the Ecuadorians into allowing them to bug the embassy uh, for audio and video. They were able to, to collect literally everything that Julian was saying and doing, even his bathroom was bugged. And then in the meantime, there were other revelations. Uh, something called Vault 7, which included what the CIA admitted was the crown jewels of the CIA's uh, technical abilities. And so it was then, that was during the Trump administration, that the CIA came up with a plan to either kidnap Julian and render him to the United States or to kill him were he to leave the Ecuadorian embassy. In the end, even the Democrats turned on him because in 2016, just before the election, uh, WikiLeaks published the DNC emails that showed, among other things, that the Democratic National Committee had conspired to block Bernie Sanders from getting the nomination. And had essentially cheated him out of the nomination and had given it, wired it for Hillary Clinton. Um, the Democrats have never forgiven Julian for that. Never. And so where he was for a while, the darling of the left, um, that went away. He never was really the darling of the of the right. It was it was the Trump administration that initially filed charges against him, multiple espionage charges. But it was the Biden administration that elected to go forward with the, the uh, request for um, the British government to turn Julian over to face trial and has continued on with this uh, with this espionage case where Julian faces something like one hundred and forty five years in prison. So he has appealed and appealed and appealed. He's being held in Belmarsh Penitentiary in South London. It's it's the highest security penitentiary in all of England. It's where the most dangerous criminals and terrorists in the country are held. And what is he being held on? It's a charge of bail jumping for running into the Ecuadorian embassy in the first place all those years ago. So For, he's charges, essentially-
0: for charges that... If, were those on the charges that now no longer exist?
1: Correct. Those charges no longer exist.
0: The sexual assault charges. I, I did a story for Full Measure. People can find if they go to fullmeasure.news. And I believe it was titled, yeah, Shades of Grey, that discussed dubious sexual assault charges, basically the weaponization of the Me Too movement. Because certainly there's something to be mm. said about women should be should get justice and men should not behave certain ways. We all know that. But there also was this sort of weaponization of the Me Too movement that happened to accuse men who had done nothing wrong or maybe to accuse men who had done something perhaps unethical but not illegal, but to make them out to be criminals. So I I did a story on this and included Assange as as an example because there were quite a few people targeted by our intelligence agency and government for doing things our government didn't want them to do like Assange, right. political things that they, they felt. Who all ended up with weird kind of sexual abuse or sexual criminal charges against them that were never brought to fruition. But it was enough to destroy and ruin and harm them and make them have to hire lawyers
1: mm-hmm. and all of
0: that. It's it's a distinct pattern. And again. Something everybody should be very concerned about, but there wasn't a whole lot of people speaking out against it or about.
1: No, oh, you're, you're having absolutely done that. right. Absolutely right. This has been a pattern. We've seen it time and time again, where where the Justice Department will accuse a person of whatever crime, espionage or mishandling classified information or whatever, but then they'll tack on a charge, sexual assault, child pornography, right, and then. You get to court, and then they drop the child pornography charge. It turns out there was no child pornography. They were mistaken. And they've done that just over and over and over again because a sexual charge will instantaneously separate you from the people who would be your natural supporters. They isolate you in that way. You can't raise money for your defense in that way. And remember, they have an unlimited budget. So that's how, that's how they win their cases. They lie.
0: Well, it's scary, but true. And you and I can both speak to this. So I thank you for telling us about the new product and for updating us on Julian Assange and giving your thoughts on this sort of weaponized system of establishments, agencies, and so on that we're living under today.
1: Thank you. Thanks, John. Thank you. It's a pleasure.
0: In this age of a highly controlled media landscape, It's never been more important to fight the heavy hand of censorship and support truly independent journalism. Go to cherylaxon.com and click on the store tab for a great way to do that. There are all kinds of fun and functional products designed specifically for independent and free thinkers like you, featuring slogans like, I tested positive for critical thinking, and I need to find some new conspiracy theories. All my old ones came true proceeds support independent journalism causes like the ION Awards for off-narrative, accurate reporting. Go to CherylAckeson.com and click the store tab today. Thanks for listening, everybody. I hope you enjoyed today's podcast and that if you did, you'll leave us a great review, subscribe, and share it with your friends. Check out my other podcast, Full Measure After Hours. And now you can support independent journalism causes by visiting CherylAckeson.com and clicking on the Store tab. There are some thought-provoking and fun products designed exclusively for independent and free thinkers like you, such as products with the slogan, I need to find some new conspiracy theories, all my old ones came true. Proceeds benefit independent reporting causes. Do your own research, make up your own mind, think for yourself.